Dead Darlings podcast. I'm Rebecca Cooney. I'm Laurie Eves. And I'm Hannah Hutzberg. Dead Darlings is a monthly podcast for the spoken word community in London and beyond. Each month we'll be bringing you interviews, tips and inspiration and above all, awesome poetry from London's spoken word scene. We'll also be telling you what's on and where you can submit your work. This month we'll be interviewing Faye Roberts and chatting about A Portable Paradise by Roger Robinson. And we'll also be bringing you one of our favourite poems that, well, I've heard this month uh, in our live Poem of the Month section. This month is from Adelia Day, which we're very excited to share with you. So, what have you been seeing and listening to this month? Uh, this month, probably the biggest thing I went to was uh, Forget What You Heard About Spoken Word at Boomerang Club. Um, Forget What You Heard was one of the nicest, friendliest nights when I... They haven't been running for, I think, about five years one of their hosts has been uh, on the other side of the world uh, but it's one of the friendliest nicest nights about and they did a sort of special back at boomerang club uh, at rutland arms so it's hosted it's hosted by rick the most livermore and they have been in new zealand and australia for some time doing incredible things rick literally ran out to join the circus didn't they yeah i i i am in awe we need we need a children's book i think and matt cummins who is just they they are clearly there is so much love between them <laughs> as hosts and friends that it kind of it spills over into everything they do and I think the night that it, it was a one off that that they're running it again but I think the night has had quite a lot of impact on the on the poetry scene more broadly in creating a kind of open friendly space where people can talk about their feelings and deeply held thoughts and ideas because I think when I started uh, in like 2009 or something it was it was a lot more based on the wordplay than the emotion if that makes sense yeah. I think they created that space where there's been more of that Excellent. so um, forget what you heard kind of stopped running around about the time I got into poetry so I never went to any of their nights not related obviously I didn't drive them out of town um, <laughs> but like, they went to New Zealand to get away from you in fact I just, I absolutely, I loved them. I loved what they were doing. I loved the, so the format, so forget what you heard wasn't always that format, but they had this format called the Couch of Contemplation, which was... Let's do that again. The Couch Couch of Contemplation. Um, Which was basically where the first poet would go and then they'd have a two minute break and poets would come over and argue for why their poem fitted in with the issues or the ideas or themes raised in the first poem. And it was just, I just completely fell in love with it. And yeah, I think about, a, you know, two thirds away through the night, I went, oh, this, this isn't going to happen regularly anymore, is it? And kind of went into mourning as it was happening. <laughs> I loved this so much. Like, it was just wonderful. And I think one of the really nice things about the format is both that the, you get a cohesive theme mm. to the night, like th- that a narrative forms, but also in the moments when poets are having a quick chat with the host about, I quite like to do my one because blah, and someone else is saying, I'd like to do my one because of this. That's almost also a moment that the audience can then turn to the people next to them and talk about the poem that's just been. So yeah. you've actually got more of a kind of space. And everybody to... is forced to listen and really pay attention to what's going on in this poem and why is it like the last one. And yeah, it just it was so clever. And I because I was so dubious about it when you guys told me, <laughs> I genuinely was like, this is gonna be a shit show. And I just <laughs> loved it. It was so good. I'm glad. Uh, I've been up at the Edinburgh Fringe, um, which has been very exciting. Uh, and I came back incredibly tired, uh, <laughs> even though I wasn't even performing, I was just like seeing stuff. Um, 
he managed to get 38 shows into the seven days I was up there, so nice. that's pretty good. Um, I like didn't want to like go over all of them again because I know we talked loads in the last episode about shows that we were excited for in Edinburgh. Um, so I just wanted to highlight a couple of ones that we didn't mention last time. Uh, if you want to know what we did talk about last time, episode one is out now on Apple Podcasts <laughs> and Acast and all your favourite podcast providers. <laughs> just to highlight a few awesome, awesome things that I saw, which we didn't mention because I didn't know they existed before. Um, Rose Kondo had an amazing show called The Empathy Experiment uh, in the Banshee Labyrinth, um, which just got my mind going on all sorts of like, oh, this is how like spoken word shows can work and uh, just about my relationship with technology and humanity's relationship with technology and empathy. And it was just... One of those 55 minutes that change your life. Um, oh, nice. And also show, a show uh, called Fat Roman 7-inch, which was uh, a <laughs> brilliant title, uh, which After, obviously is about vinyl records. Okay. Um, and it involved so many like props on stage, like more than I've ever seen, but they were all made out of paper. Every single prop was made out of paper, uh, and it was incredible. And over the course of it, he was like throwing these paper things around, turning them around to reveal stuff on the back, drawing new props while he was going. Wow. It was amazing. Uh, and I asked at the end, it takes him three hours to set up the show Jesus. every time what? for a 50 minute show. The oh, dedication was incredible, it was wow. an amazing show. Awesome, and if it tours, go and see it. Uh, a couple of other things One Foot in the Rave by Alexander Rhodes was incredible. Uh, really intense. Uh, John Michael had a meatball seance, which the title is Meatball Seance. It was a meatball seance. I'm just going to leave it at that. It smelled amazing. Um, how, how did your vegan ass uh, fare? <laughs> well, unfortunately, I wasn't uh, part of the audience participation that had to mix the mints. Uh, oh, wow. But some yeah. people were. Um, Kill the Princess with Michelle Madsen and Lizzie Shakespeare was awesome. Uh, and says Thomason's Equality and Perversity had the best costume change I've uh, seen at the Fringe. Uh, are you going to explain or are you going to leave that ending? I'm just going to leave that hanging. Oh, okay. Uh, and yeah, uh, but again, if any of these tour, um, go and see them. Mm. Amazing. Excellent. Um, and you? Yeah, my month. I went to Poetry Unplugged for the first time, which was a really nice night, actually. Really kind of reminded me of Spoken Word London in that kind of very chilled vibe, that sort of, you know, come up and, and do what you want. And yeah, really, really enjoyed it. thought the host, Niall, was lovely. Yeah. He was great. Um, yeah, and I had a lot of fun. Uh, got chatting to quite a few different people I didn't know because I didn't really know anybody there. So that's that's always a mark of a good poetry night, isn't it? That you kind of come away sort of mates with somebody. Yeah. yeah. Like, so yeah, no, it was pretty good. Shall we move on to the interview? Let's do it. This month's interview is with Faye Roberts. Faye is the host and organiser of the Cambridge chapter of the Hammer and Tongue National Poetry Slam competition, curates mm-hmm. the spoken word stage at Cambridge's Strawberry Fair and is the artistic director for the spoken word section of PBH's Free Fringe at the Edinburgh Festival. They also run the Other Voices Spoken Word Cabaret at the Edinburgh Fringe. They set up their own poetry label, Allographic, in 2011, which hosts live events and produces poetry anthologies, pamphlets and books. Their most recent collection, Selkie, A Song of Many Waters, based on their show of the same name, is out now. Hello, welcome Hello. to Cambridge. Hey. <laughs> Thank you for having us. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Yeah. So yeah, so to give us an idea of your work, can you kick off with a poem? Sure. I'm going to go with this one, um, which I have only done a couple of times live. 
New um, shit. New not shit. new shit, okay. but um, relatively underexposed <laughs> shit. Um, it, it is something I, I did a lot of thinking about. Should I um, should I talk about this or not? And uh, yeah, sometimes you just write stuff because you'd quite like to write it, and sometimes you write it because glory be, there's been a commission. Um, <laughs> and other things, it's because if you don't, you won't be able to sleep, and that <laughs> comes out, and this is vomited up from the pit of catharsis that um, was necessary after a particular event. So yeah, it's a content warning. There's basically men behaving badly and getting away with it. Just a quick note to say, Faye's poem is awesome, but if their content note did make you want to skip ahead, you should probably skip to around the 11.30 mark. Um, So this is called, in air quotes, complimentary. He roars rhetoric, spitting up a storm. It's gorgeous and thoughtful and more. He's got them all in the palm of his hand and not one of them understand that this thing I was looking forward to is now bruised to bitter gall. I'm appalled. But there, in thrall, as he breaks forth walls by the score, spilling brilliance from his more bawdy and battling, rattling their social constructs, this is not destruction, but a progressive holy grail and a Fail is being torn from my eyes. I just think they'd be so surprised to hear this. He switches vernacular, marrying glittering rhythms with lyrical stamina, rapper, poet, man of action. He grabs you. It's just words. It's only words, Faye. Observe how they can break your every day, and it's not even the worst thing to happen by a long way. Maybe not even the top ten, but then again it's intense, recent Stealthy element of this shitty continuum. See, I remember this distinctly flashbulb memory of a wordsmith's introduction while the rest of his patter has pattered away. He leaves them heaving for more, pouring lords and glories on him as he lifts a spotlit flick of fond farewell, and I follow. Pick up his flow, tell these gentle folk that there's nowhere to go but where they fight to be, leaving the world a better place by calling out the graceless, making sure that bullies know that joke's no joke when it's poking people in the eye. But I say nothing to the guy who, grandstanding and amplified by my mic, takes the time to claim me with his first words, saying softly, reasonably, that he'd like to study me in order to stalk me. Full on quote. His smooth talk and my silence comply with an ideal that that's all right. My friends say afterwards, we saw you swooning. No, you're confusing bemused distaste and a sense of personal disgrace. Even my most woke mates think that's okay, instead of betraying the responsibility for how you use this space. So it took eight weeks, give or take a day, to write it down and say this. I will not speak your name. Even now, I'm too ashamed or proud, but friends, I'm telling you, next time that happens to anyone, no matter how strong they seem, you best believe that if you see something, you better say something now. I was quite cross. Almost yeah. more particularly with myself for just going, hey, I'm the host, yay, afterwards. Mm. Um, and that I think is such a tricky one when you're yeah. trying to like carry the, <laughs> carry the night mm. and yeah. stay perky. Like, yeah. It's difficult. Um, I've, I've learned to use the word wow to quite <laughs> stretch that to all sorts of different things. I remember the first time I got up as a host after somebody done something that, oh, there's nothing I can say to that like pile of 
misogyny is it misogyny who knows I don't know so <laughs> I'm just going to up and go wow <laughs> <laughs> and he can take that how he likes but everyone else will go yeah <laughs> and it's uh, it's an interesting one apparently people have taken to watching me um, as I watch a poet perform um <laughs> Because there's a lot of expression going on in the face. And apparently when the face shuts down, that's when they're going, oh, this ain't good. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so it's just because I'm... I mean, you've all hosted events, so you know that you have to be kind of the loudest laugher, the the biggest applause, the first person to sort of go, ooh, at something, to kind of lead everyone else into the idea that that's all right to to -hmm. express themselves, to respond to the performer. But, um, yeah, so when I am not digging it, I can't just go, uh, <laughs> that's not quite what the host's job is. And it's interesting that you, like, specifically more than most poets that I can think of, are obviously so keenly aware of making spaces inclusive and making sure that they are accessible for people who are in lots, lots of various different minorities. Mm-hmm. And I guess when we were coming up with questions, the first thing I was like, oh, was, I, I want to hear how you go about creating those spaces. Mm-hmm. There's lots you can do in the moment, and there's, then there's just stuff where you're, you're, you're building that rep and you're building the um, sense of what the space is and what it will be. So while I'm not... I've got a mixed approach to trigger warnings and content warnings... I know certainly earlier on when they started to, to emerge on the scene I was thinking, oh, well, that's a bit like having to give spoilers. But you also have to understand you need to give people the, the choice. More and more we're seeing that idea that you can be safely vulnerable in performance spaces. Mm. And that's something that I've always tried for. I remember someone talking about how they admired how other voices uh, was a safe space and I immediately said, mm, well, yeah, but also I want it to be a, a fierce space as well. The main part, the main reason for making uh, other voices what it was, and Hannah was the first person I rang to go, is this a really crazy <laughs> idea? And she basically said, yes, let's do it anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was supposed to be where people could bring out the stuff they weren't able to do usually. Making making a safe space is not just about um, making sure people won't have the opportunity to not feel hurt or to engage with the hurt well and um, in a constructive way but also you see a lot of people especially if you're of a, a, a vulnerable demographic which I prefer to say a minority um, because obviously um, women are not actually in the minority <laughs> in terms of representation in terms of vulnerability so um, yeah it, you'd see people playing safe with what they were expressing on stage so the number of queer poets when you especially queer poets of colour who weren't saying anything about their sexuality on stage um, women of colour who weren't talking about their colour on stage um, people not talking about um, what it feels to be childless for example or choosing child free for, for another um, how you talk about your disability sometimes you're sick of talking about your disability and sometimes poetry is the only way you can actually express the complexity of what that means they don't want to be nagging the audience or be feeling that they're singled out for what they're doing or that they're playing the insert here card which or that they're oh, just that thing they're just that thing absolutely yeah. I only do uh, poetry about being black I only do that poetry about being woman but I don't only do that poetry about my sexuality and yeah but you should also feel that you can and that you don't have to apologize for that that you were asking about how your intro that's the first 
pretty much the first thing you say. With our graphic, for example, we talk about there's only two rules, guidelines, whatever, and one of them is don't apologise. <laughs> <laughs> because we have so many people getting up in open mic, especially, again, of vulnerable demographics, uh, underrepresented demographics, who say sorry. The number of, you know, what is it, that um, the confidence of a mediocre white dude? <laughs> <laughs> and they stride up and start talking, start talking about their album before you've heard any of the actual mm. stuff. And the sort of people who step up to slam an open mic more likely to be cis white dudes who aren't disabled or neurotypical or whatever. Um, so that's one of the things that you know you you have to make clear. This is your space, mm. so you want to make sure that those people of that demographic know that they can take that space without saying, "Sorry, it's written down. Sorry, it's not written down. Sorry, it's new. Sorry, it's old. Sorry, it's what's <laughs> <laughs> just give us a poem already. You've only got five minutes." Yeah, and the other thing is we talk about the not kicking down, which is a lovely. We nicked that off um, comedy, mm. um, um, and then obviously you have to explain what that means, but. And that's that's a large part of what that my rage about that that comes out in that poem is is this is a person who's getting up to talk about their particular vulnerable demographic while also then increasing my vulnerability and discomfort straight just straight in there you know and claiming the space in a very aggressive way with a very soft voice it was really interesting <laughs> to watch how you can do that yeah. just, wow. Okay, not just claiming the space, but claiming the host, claiming everything inside. Wow, okay. So, yeah, so we talk about, you know, don't apologise unless you've kicked down, but I will talk to you about that in the break. So I'll, I'll, say, I'll say that, and I've had to. I've had to take people to one side and go, my friend, that was... No. <laughs> it's all good. You said it's only about feel like you're putting yourself in a position of respons- responsibility and um, authority about what is acceptable on stage. Yeah. And again, we're not trained to that. If you assign female at birth, a lot of what we're trained to do is to just calm everyone down. Mm. Everything's nice and everything's welcoming and oh that's fine. But um sometimes you have to go, oh, that's not fine. <laughs> <laughs> Stepping forward and saying that, oh yeah, my friend, that was massively racist. You just can't do that. And then when you realise that that person isn't understanding why you just can't do that is a thing. And no, you can't literally claim that voice. Uh, we talk about a particular example, a man who decided to do his poem in the first person as an Indian army officer. He is as white British as it's possible uh, to get uh, and decided to do a full-on Peter Sellers goodness gracious <gasps> kind of <laughs> accent. What is the drill if someone is doing something that's, it's not even, it takes you a while to process and you're like, that wasn't great, or I'll have a chat is, is there a shutdown point where you're like, I am pulling you off stage. I need a giant vaudeville cage <laughs> right now. Has that ever happened, I guess? Yeah. I, I had one moment when I was hosting and someone did something like that and I froze up and then developed safe space rules in response. Like, this is what I've done every single time. Um, mm. you, you, you two, I think, have heard the, the speech I do in that hammer and time mm. about um, the, the poem that emerged called Burka Bait. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. So yeah, someone gets up who was actually huh, the sacrificial poet. Um, so you know they've been given that. So can you explain the sacrificial poet? Oh, right. Sorry. Okay. So another so, um, dramatic poetry. Now. Okay. <laughs> brilliant. Perfect. Straight up. So um, when you've got a slam, um, everyone's getting up to be explicitly judged and competing. So in order to not be the first person out of the hat who is getting that explicit judgment, you bring up someone who has no skin in the game. 
for hammer and turn what we do is we bring up usually the person who won the, the previous round so it's a bit of practice for them it's a bit of exposure for them um and it's also you are like a segue to say and you'll be joining so and so in in the regional final all that kind of continuum stuff that's useful with 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 slams because you're showing that route from audience member to um competitor to you know quite a lot of our features um who tour have had a background in slam you can show people who've never stepped up there is a path you can follow anyway he'd won the previous one with one of those meta poems about how he'd never written a poem before and the rest of it. it was delivered really well and it was really interesting yeah coming on to the next one do the uh do the sacrificial poem so it's called Burka Babe, and immediately you're thinking, uh huh. Mm. Um, but you know, this is Cambridge, people do clever poetry. My massive hope, my good faith thing, is you assume that the person's going to turn it around, it's going to be irony, it's going to be back on them as a white person who's not Muslim, and all that kind of thing. And no, <laughs> no, think of pretty much every tick box. I think we had um, sort of obviously Islamophobia, misogyny. Um, fat phobia, racism, yeah. um, uh, hirsutism, which is, you know, a new <laughs> low. And um, yeah, also, to add insult to injury, it was a pretty shit poem. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. If it's taking my pockets and then it's bad. Then You're it's a bad. terrible human and a bad oh, man. <laughs> Right, so it was all of the, the forced rhyme, bad inversion kind of oh, you know, sacrifice to scansion shit you can think of and then every so often he would turn to me in the front row with my head in my hands going please make this ironic soon dude because what the fuck um he then goes well this is all your fault you know so so where did you hide the body (laughs) (laughs) so i got up did the wow uh so judges give me some anything you've got a thing zero i've never seen zeros and 0.1s before it was wild Gave everyone a very low bar to clear us from the sacrificial poet. I guess it's almost good that if someone's going to do something terrible, and obviously, ideally, you want someone to not do anything like that ever Mm. again, but I guess it's good that they were getting judged and that they had the whole audience. It's not just the favourites. There was a comeback. Everyone says that's not okay. That was the thing where I was blessing the explicit system where you see people with like a proper look on their face going, not point one, motherfucker. So, <laughs> yeah. But then I think the thing last time I heard the story, the bit that made me do a spit take was, <laughs> did I properly like spat out my drink in the middle of that <laughs> was, was you go, oh, and by the way, he was a teacher. Yes. <gasps> oh. Yeah. He's never been back. Oh, Maybe it was when he asked me in the second interval, I think it was either that lovely phrase, was that all right or how was that? Smilingly asked me, standing close to me, asking me, and I just went, Oh, my friend, no. <laughs> and he started quite gently, and then he just kind of ramped <laughs> over the course of this dissertation about why you just fucking don't. But it's interesting to watch how um, judges take that super seriously, especially for finals. Jurors really take it seriously. Yeah. My worry, it's always about that outro thing. For, for slams in particular, I've seen this done badly, and I'm really keen not to do it myself. Outros... As, as the host, you could really mm, influence the judges. Mm. And I've seen um, hosts get up and do a bad intro, uh, outro that colours the poem, yeah. not only One badly, but wrongly. Mm. They've misunderstood the poem, they've got up, they've done a bad outro, and the person gets a, a low mark and you think, oh, part of me can't help but worry that it was the outro that, that shifted people's perceptions. So I usually 
get up or make a, a, a make a joke or if it's been super serious I go I can't do a glib outro for that so I'm basically going to just stand here and mm. say thanks for that and look serious you yeah. know and then people can let the silence happen because it can be very easy as a host to just jabber but when actually you mm. could just stand there and go we're going to take a moment on that one I also really always think when the, the intro if the host says and they're a great friend of mine don't just because, yeah. because in an open mic, great, yeah. totally fine. But in a slam, it's like, well, they're a friend of the host, so yeah. I better give them a good score, right? They're in this club. They, they, must, they be must be good. If I don't like it, I probably haven't understood yeah. it properly. I think there's a danger with that with poetry as well. Or the other way around. Oh, fine. Well, you know, I'm going to just give it a, a, the higher bar for that. Also, yeah, exactly. I've, I've yeah. found don't say they're from out of town. Hmm. I, I won't say that. And, you know, and if the poet chooses to get up and say, I travelled such and such distance to be here, okay, cool. But... Again, I've noticed, and especially, sorry, but with the London scene, there are some attitudes to, oh, they're from the provinces. Not that they yeah. they care enough that they've come all the It really depends on the night. Mm. Obviously, not Genesis, um, for example, and Boomerang and places like that. They're just like, yay, more people. Um, but there there are nights, I'm not going to name, um, where, yeah, that kind of, ha, 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 they've, they're not from around here. God, the, the yeah. distance between here and where I've come from is less than across London. Yeah. So yeah, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. It depends on the tone in which it's said as yeah, well. Yeah. And the host. It's almost like fragile memory, like witness, the psychology of witnesses almost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Coming into slam. Interesting. Interesting. Stuff there. I mean, it's such an ephemeral art form. And, you know, when you ask people to say what lines they remembered from a poem, depending on the person and the way their memory works, they might not remember any of the lines, but they'll remember how it made them feel. Mm. And if they're judging on what their feeling was, you as a host can shift their feelings so easily. Yeah. You know, or if you jabber too much, they, they lose the words that are still chiming in their head, you know, mm. whether they're a judge or just a general audience member. So, yeah. I've seen it done really well. Mark Grist and Leanne Moden, the two people I would definitely mm. say are great at that. They can get up do a, a pre-seat or a pick out a line and highlight how golden that was. Mark Rust is so yeah. good at that. So good at that. It just makes me think, I need to up my game. And I think, <laughs> I think I nicked from him as well as adjusting the mic. Um, it's a small Four thing people. to do. Yeah. The next person who's coming up, not everyone's confident with the mic. Mm. Not everyone's got that experience. So yeah, there's lots of tiny things yeah. you can do that makes a person have to do less work to feel like they belong there. Mm. That welcoming thing, that accessibility thing, is a, is a lot, including mics, including offering people alternatives to, um, for, you know, a, on a stand or um, handheld mic or whatever. Yeah. Also making sure there is microphone. The number of people who come and go, oh, I've got a nice big voice. Yeah. No, sorry, no. You, you read articles about uh, talking about how that's actually worse for people who are hard of hearing. Mm. Uh, someone bellowing or whatever, it does weird things with the acoustics, whereas if they could actually just hear it, there's yeah. a kind of machismo about not needing a mic and I know a yeah. few people yeah. who every fringe by the end of it have no voice yeah. every time what have we learned this year oh no you're going to do it again next year because <laughs> you've got a big strong loud voice um, <laughs> <laughs> and then just go hey I've lost my voice it's great uh, okay which is you would never get that from like a singer or something do you yeah, know what I mean exactly. you kind of this is your tool look yeah. after it yeah. so we, we offer like a really simple option which is you've got a lapel mic they don't cost mm. much and, and then you can them. walk around and move around you can walk around Ooh. people who feel um, constrained by the thing and we've got some of our performers, for example, I'm definitely going to give that option to our 
finalists for, for Hammer and Tongue yeah. um, next month. Um, there's at least one of them I can think of who does, he, he's very theatrical, he comes from a theatrical background, so for him, the ability to gesture and wander around the stage is, is huge. I remember seeing this done very well at um, BBC Slam. Um, Lord, I've forgotten the name. Uh, Adele Hampton. She was doing that piece about um, weightlifting, and that needs your whole body to do that. Yeah. So of course it being BBC, of course they had lapel mics, so they just they did that. Her sound check was making sure she could bend over, touch her toes, <laughs> and come back up and wave her hands in the air, and it not impact on the mic. Yeah. She won that one, so yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's about again, it's about small things you can do that can that mean accessibility to people yeah often that's asking the questions beforehand you can't assume that you know what everyone's accessibility needs might be because your own are matched or people you knows are matched odd one it's going to sound like a weird thing in terms of accessibility but making sure you've asked people's pronouns if you don't know them Mm -hmm. check um i always get at least one person who goes and they say their name and you think okay right yeah. so, although sometimes that is a, is a, is a pronoun choice but then you have to you spend an extra two seconds telling people what a pronoun is and how's that work saying oh okay right you worry or no cis people are going to be um, offended by that actually no they mostly just go oh yeah I never thought that was an option yeah <laughs> fascinating and one woman who went oh, I could I could have this so many I could have how <laughs> exciting I mean I don't want anyone but I could <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah um, and just but it's worth it for the person who goes and the breath comes just a little easier and they go, I'm in the right place. And it just, it can make a huge difference just to ask one question for, for the maybe the one really annoyed cis person who might get oddly offended. You go, it's worth it for everyone who did it and everyone who thought, I could do that for my own events. Mm-hmm. And the people who go, oh, thank God, I'm in the right place. Yeah. That dropping of the weight they didn't even know they were carrying yeah. so yeah and um, I'll be honest I kind of find if you have that harder time empathising with somebody else like maybe poetry ain't for you like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that might be but also like, this, is, this is about empathising like mm. yeah, well, in a big way about communication in so many ways yeah actually you sort of talking earlier about sort of the need to open up the scene and create spaces for people mm. who weren't necessarily speaking my feeling is that awareness of spoken word poetry as an art form is really growing at the moment yeah. and I'm wondering if that Massively. yeah like how do you feel that's impacting on the scene and how do, and do knights need to kind of work to accommodate people in a different way it's a good really good question um it's impacting the scene in that more people know what spoken word is. That means that it's not as hard a sell as it used to be. <laughs> but it also means everyone's people are coming on expecting Kate Tempest or Shane Coyzan or other people they've seen when awards are on for, uh, YouTube or whatever. And it's just it isn't all that. No, it's not all the, all of the things you've seen already. It's a very it's a very broad. Um, I'd say broad chest, and then I realised that that's not necessarily accessible. I hadn't even think that. Let's overthink every single word I'm going to say. But yeah, it's, it is, it, it's, a, it's a broad mansion, isn't it? Um, second word. Huge. Different. Religion to the class now. That's the best way to do it. But yeah. Um, it, that's yeah. really offensive. My mum's a mansion. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you, you talked about class. So that, that's interesting. Listen, this is mm. one I don't think about enough. I know that. I am definition of middle class. Spoken word, especially in Cambridge, a lot of it is mm. pre middle class, mm. and there is a certain, even those folk uh, on the scene that I can think of whose roots are working class, the vast majority of those we could we'd name off the top of our head as influencers, as people we've seen in slums, all the rest of it, they've been to university, they have shifted 
their social mobility and their social class already and their assumptions about about education and level and about language attainment and all that kind of thing mm. and articulacy are different from the people they grew up with from their family and the rest of it so that that's that's a challenge i'm finding and that's whether that's at edinburgh fringe or it's at events here in cambridge or whatever so one of the things you can do to to shift that is go with the free fringe model um, that we've we've gone with and if, or if you have a kind of venue that will that, that means you can do it for free if you can afford that then then do it um, and it means that your experience and their experience will will be richer that if we're only hearing the same perspectives like allographic and the rest of it and other voices were set up because I was fed up of hearing all very well articulated and lovely beautiful poetry and the rest of it but it was the same story it was the same history over and over again just mildly different accents and perspectives so you count accessibility also means the price point and the physical space it's in and making sure people feel that it's for them as well however you do that you know it's great lots of places are in bars because that's because bars want people want to bring more people in but that's not necessarily accessible to people who have a history with alcoholism yeah. or people who for cultural reasons would not set foot somewhere that yeah. they're serving yeah. Yeah. Or, or focused around alcohol yeah. Yeah. yeah so that yeah you're constantly having to make compromises and all these different kinds of things it's very difficult to find someone that's wheelchair accessible and free of yeah. cost uh, to the host. That was we had that for Vogon Slam. It just it was when yeah, Central London was yeah. But we also take a lot of what wheelchair accessible means for granted. Yeah, yeah. I've discovered that there are websites that oh god I'm going to forget the names now, but I can <laughs> we can put them in the notices. Yes. There there are websites that will actually describe. The wheelchair access? N- no, because not just wheelchair access. So, okay. um, so it's not. Are there ramps? Yes, no. It is. What do the chairs look like? What's the audio setup? What's the because mm-hmm. everyone's accessibility needs are going to be different. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not. Is it accessible? Yes, no. It is. This is what it's like. Yeah. You can choose you if can that sounds accessible to you, and that you can choose before you get there as well. Because like, I mean, I've heard of things like uh, so. For example, a restaurant that doesn't take reservations. If you have very limited energy and you don't know that you can get a table when you get there, that's not accessible. Like it, it impacts so many things you would not necessarily, you wouldn't think of unless you or someone you know has. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, and it it's all it's it's great to make sure that people know that they can ask you questions, but you're also putting the burden on the people to ask the questions. Again, mm-hmm. there's an energy thing, there's a an assertiveness thing, which again we come back to that idea of when you're a, a vulnerable demographic and have been from young, it's part of your training is to not put yourself forward, to be constantly apologising for your needs and for your existence in some cases, and all of that kind of thing. So the fact that you would be assertive, you'd have to summon up the energy to be assertive enough to ask, that's bigger than... And ask someone who might go, what? Exactly. So you don't know them. So uh, uh, someone who has recently started writing poetry who has um, cerebral palsy and doesn't have a stereotypically articulate voice, but she's also very assertive and she knows me. So she was able to email me and go, right, this is what I need. This is what I want. Can you provide it? Which was great because I could go, yes, we can plug your your computer in straight into our desk so that your poetry could be read out. Um, this this venue has this kind of wheelchair accessibility. The bar's a bit high. She's like, it's fine. I've got one of those chairs that can do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But because she was, she knew me and she's a relatively confident person, she could ask me. 
But I'm starting to think now I need to be putting more on my events posting than just the just the venue is wheelchair accessible. I should be talking about my lapel mics and my desk. People talk about safe spaces being too exclusive or, you know, not being, oh no, not, not having enough of the majority represented, as it were, people as opposed to the actual majority of people. But And the trouble is that, I guess, people who've been in the dominant part of the narrative, dominant paradigm, is that they assume that is a competition. <laughs> you know, that it's a zero-sum game. You know, that if you're seeing more queer people on television, you've seen more black people with speaking roles in film, dear God, um, then, you know, it, it means that there's less for them, there's less of the pile, whatever. You think, no, that's not quite how it works. You're going to get much better... Yeah. Your, your media diet <laughs> is going to become much better. It's a bigger, better pie. <laughs> more nutritious. It's a much more balanced diet. Because <laughs> you're hearing more stories. You're, you're getting more information. Yeah, but no. So, yeah. so cool. Look, how I think God, this is probably a good place to wrap up before we get kicked out. Mm. <laughs> we should probably I'm, say, because I don't yeah. think we've said on the mic, we're yes. in uh, Cambridge Central yes. Library. Yes. <laughs> Hold up in Cambridge Central Library in one of the interview rooms and <laughs> speak to Faye. Because um, we said London and beyond, and we are beyond London. Beyond. Um, we do need to ask the very important question before yes. we wrap up, though, which is if Faye has anything that you want to plug. Oh, hello. Um, well, it's, I guess, the usual stuff that we in Cambridge so the next Hammering Tongue Slam is going to be on the better check I've got sixth. this right sixth I believe of September um, it's also it's also going to be my last day in work it's going to be that day because because I've taken an unpaid I need to emphasise this because everyone thinks I've got a grant to do this <laughs> no it is an unpaid sabbatical from work I think so what are you going to be doing um, so yeah there is there is a novel that I started writing when I lost my physical voice in um, late 2016 which was one of the psychologically most difficult things I've ever gone through every other period where my disability has let me down I've been in lots of pain I can't walk properly um, all the rest of it I've still been able to talk and sing you know, from sitting down or leaning on something or whatever, but not being able to express myself, not being able to communicate was, wow, difficult. And there was also that, the horrified pity look in people's eyes when they'd hear my voice or lack of it. And it was, it was quite, that, that was difficult. So yeah, it gives you a lot of insight into various different things. But I thought, well, fuck it. I've been talking about writing this novel for eight years or something like that. Let's just get started. And so wrote loads of it. And then as my voice started to come back, um, oddly enough, it, it faded away. But and part of my excuse has been for that and for various other projects, initiatives, things I've been thinking of doing is always I don't have enough time. So being a former software tester, I thought, let's test this. Let's give myself more time and see if what I actually do is sit around in my pyjamas watching Netflix forever. Or if I actually crack on. Because if I'm not having an income, I'm going to have to apply for, for, for grants rather than just do stuff on a shoestring out of my own pocket. This this is an opportunity, which I definitely acknowledge is incredibly fortunate, to, to focus on just the events that I run, the projects I want to do. And, yeah, taking the Selkie more places, which I keep promising people I will do and I actually need to get. Which is your Edinburgh like Fringe show. And yeah. Not an actual selkie that you're talking <laughs> Just a woman <laughs> very pissed off and asking where her skin is. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we've had it for ages. Yes, all of that. Cool. Yeah. Mm. 
like it's kind of a, a thread that keeps running running through where it's like you you've been given something that is supposed to be so brilliant and wonderful but there's this catch or there's something that's not quite right with it um there's one very early on again sorry about paradise being being there for the people who've lost someone yes yeah the, the first line the job, the, of the job of paradise is to comfort those who've been left behind yeah uh, yeah the the it references paradise a lot but almost always in relation to something horrible yeah um, but i mean also that kind of idea of why is it that paradise is always sold as a caribbean beach somewhere with palm mm. trees and so that's everyone had, and, and what does that mean you know what does that mean when you're black british and you know if you've left the west indies is that paradise and why do why do white british people think and that's paradise the whole ownership of the yeah. whole colonies idea that you can you can go off and you can have this place that you own that is different and more exotic than mm. your day-to-day mm-hmm. and that kind of thing and then you can just fuck off but yeah that idea that not only you can go there but they'll speak english there as well and yeah say, yeah absolutely that that thing we can benefit from that horrific history and mm. not even think about it yeah mm. but yeah that's that's old paradise that's great so yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's also not all like depressing though there's no. some really funny poems in here and i really love the way that roger plays with form in it um there's a limerick in there that is just it's hilarious really but also really about funny, slavery but also about slavery <laughs> which is mad so this is called slavery limerick bill was a slave from nantucket who stole a bearskin and a musket heard stop where you stand put up both of your hands but he zigzagged and ran and said fuck it yeah. <laughs> so good. there's another one in there called black olive that's a really nice prose oh, poem yeah. uh that is again funny but poignant and, and and i love the way that it's kind of using form to unlock the poem or like to to to, to use it as a way into saying something really important i think that's really interesting um and kind of one other reason i thought i love the book is um and again this was when i was had a chat with roger about it was talking about like um particularly with the grandfather stuff at the beginning but it's like taking one idea and then expanding the radius on it so like starting with the victims moving on to the um the surrounding kind of area moving on to the police moving on to the um like the media and just kind of moving further and further away and expanding the the kind of what you're looking at to look at it from all these different angles um, is something that I think is really a a fascinating part of the book um, and something to learn from for any writer really Um, and that's another reason why I thought it was a really interesting book to look at Um, because it it hangs together as a piece really well as a book but yeah no the, the angles all add to each other a lot each poem works better in relation to having the rest it's like it is a it, within one section all of the poems feed into each other to make a point of that section and then each of the five sections hang together to make a point about paradise and that's what i think is structurally fascinating mm. about the book um, and why i chose it so yeah, I recommend it. Uh, yeah, it's called yeah, Portal no, of Paradise. It's, uh, yeah. it's by Roger Robinson. It came out about a month ago and it's out on People Tree Press. And you should buy it from People Tree, Tree Press, Press or yeah. from Roger Robinson directly or uh, from your local independent bookshop. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't 
And there are other ways to purchase books, I'm sure you know. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> cool. Uh, notice board then? Let's do the notice board. Awesome. Now it's time for the notice board section, uh, letting you know what poetry nights are coming up this month, where you can go to perform your work or submit it for publication. Uh, so on Tuesday the 3rd, 10th, 17th and 24th of September is Poetry Unplugged at the Poetry Cafe in Covent Garden. Uh, it's an open mic night every Tuesday. On the 4th and 18th, Spoken Word London Open Mic is happening at VFD in Dalston. Um, there's kind of a big clash of nights on the 5th of September. I keep saying, oh, there's this awesome thing. Oh, oh it's on the 5th of September. Like, I don't know what is so exciting about the 5th of September. In London, you've got Genesis Poetry Slam going on. There's also Door to Door Poetry with Rowan McCabe, which is a fab show. Uh, what was Door to Door Poetry? I haven't heard this one. Faye? Whoa! Okay, you've not heard of Door to Door Poetry? No! Ah, okay, so uh, Rowan McCabe, yeah. and so he uh, basically went round um, knocking on door to door to ask people would they like a poem written. So That's amazing. A bit so like, like poetry takeaway, like but poetry takeaway, take like poetry delivery. Actually, two people and, and through a variety of neighbourhoods. But if you're like talking about vulnerability, he's deliberately leaning yeah. into that. He's not just having a stand that people come to him and that's vulnerable enough. He's mm. physically going up to strangers in their home and saying, do you want a poem, by the way? And yeah, they got funding for it and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And the show is is weaving together the the stories and the interactions with the people and the poems themselves and all sorts. And if you've ever seen Rowan perform, he's so engaging. Mm. Oh, just uh, there's, there's no other way of putting it he's not only a great poet but he's a really good storyteller and you're just there physically makes you feel there so many people are like yeah blah so that's on the 5th that's of September that's also on the 5th and that's preceded as... by Canada Water Open Mic okay in the same run by our guest from last month Tyrone yeah mm-hmm. there's also the Bad Betty Press Alter Egos Anthology launch oh, um, that is three good things which I, I am going to be at uh, sorry Rowan and sorry Tyrone and sorry uh, Genesis <laughs> I just thought we, we need to big up Genesis as well because that's back after a summer break yeah. and it's yeah. such a lovely slam mm. like, genuinely London's only three round slam run by the fabulous Caroline Teague and it is wonderful so yeah, yeah shout out to them so yeah on the 16th of September it's the third Monday of every month there is Insight Poetry LGBT Open Mic which is at Phoenix Artist Bar nearest stations Tottenham Court Road it's right near Foils and that is a free open mic which is especially for LGBT people but in September it's going to be hosted by Caroline Teague who okay. is fantastic and in October, on the third Monday, which is further away, uh, I am going to be hosting it. I've done it occasionally, and it's a lovely, lovely night. It is. Mm-hmm. We've got down, going backwards slightly, yeah. to the 6th of September. Um, we've got uh, the Hammer and Tongue Cambridge season final. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's going to be very exciting. Amazing. Um, so that is everyone who has won a Cambridge Hammer and Tongue Slam uh, yes, in the last uh, year. Yes, and including uh, the Strawberry Fair Slam as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, as a whole, very people. Wednesday 11th of September is Boomerang Club. They haven't announced their features yet, but I'm sure it'll be somebody very good. Um, and that's at the Rutland Arms in Hammersmith. We've just got Penting, uh, third Thursday of every month, I believe. So that'll be on the 19th. I don't know where that is, because that seems to move around a lot. But I went to the one on the last Thursday, and it was really good at West. And then, Faye, you do the the, the, the newsletter in the East of, yeah, <laughs> of events tr- that are going on. Yeah, that's going to have more time for that one as well. Um, so I'm trying to think. Uh, third, ooh, third, uh, third Tuesday, again, of the month up in Norwich, there's the um, uh, Poetry at Journets, which yes. is in this... Um, 
Amazing, yeah, underground. Like a cellar underground. Like you you need instructions and a sacrifice. J U R N E T. Um, Where in Norwich? It's near the waterfront. Yeah, it's literally like. If you, don't have, a, mafia, if you so don't, don't have like a map, game. a guide, and a sacrificial goat, you're not finding <laughs> it. <laughs> Sacrifice your goat and head towards this old medieval house where you're basically in the wine cellar, as far as I could tell, mm. um, of this thing that doesn't have the name outside it. No. So it's a really arcane kind of thing. They usually have a theme, but it's not strict. And so, you know, if you go to the theme, that's great, but don't worry about it. Um, then there's uh, Allographic on the 29th, Sunday the 29th. But yeah, just, just find the... A uh, snappily named poetry and spoken word in Cambridge and nearby. Um, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll put all, all of this on our Facebook, yeah. so there's a link. Um, yeah, wonderful. As well as the events in Cambridge, we've also got some events in Kent that we've been sent this month. Uh, so there's Your Bard, which is in Canterbury, which is a slam night with a pay in pot giving a potential prize of £60. And the theme is Rebirth, and that is on the 9th of September. There's then Big Trouble, uh, which uh, is an open mic in Rochester with headliners. Uh, this month they have the two-time winner of the Guyana Prize for Literature, Maggie Harris, and local slammer superstar Pauline Holmes headlining, uh, and that is on the 10th of September. Lickety Spit is a poetry slam in Canterbury. Oh, great name! Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Lickety Spit uh, in Canterbury is a poetry slam with um, a feature performance by Tom Gill, and that is the 18th of September. And... Uh, Harry Baker, I I am ten thousand. So Harry Baker is going to be debuting his new poetry show at the Tom Thumb Theatre in Margate mm-hmm. on the twenty eighth of former, September. Former World Slam champion. Former World Slam champion Harry Baker. Yes. Spoiler: I've seen the show. It's really good. <laughs> oh, awesome! And then uh, your hysterical, which is uh, based in London, is it's the second birthday and uh, features are still waiting to be revealed. But uh, spoken word London Hannah Gordon is one of the featured acts. Nice. It's a good name. Is that yes. women specifically? I think it might be. So that's at the Star of Kings, and that's uh, in King's Cross, mm-hmm. uh, September 12th. Uh, there's also Words Down, the writing session, which is a free uh, writing workshop, which is every Tuesday, run by Hannah Gordon, mm-hmm. uh, and that's in Rubio, London, which is near Wilson Junction. And they do an amazing um, flat white. Okay, so moving on to submissions opportunities. There are a, quite a few different ones going on at the moment um, that we're aware of. Um, and with with everything on the notice board, so with events and workshops and submissions, if you have one, if you're running something, let us know. Drop us an email um, because we don't exclude anybody because we don't like them or for any reason. We're just not aware of everything. Um, but some of the submissions opportunities we've got, and this is a really good one to kick us off, uh, Apples and Snakes writing room applications are open and that is an amazing opportunity. So it's, uh, I did it a few years ago now, but it's a series of workshops uh, with some great poets. And it's been, the whole thing has been curated, I believe, by Jacob Samlerose this time. Oh, wow. um, and that is like, if you don't know, get to know, because incredible poet oh, yeah. doing amazing things for young writers. Uh, unfortunately, this is only 18 to 25 year olds, but if you're 18 to 25, seriously get on it it closes 27th of september so definitely recommend that uh, submissions for fly on the wall webzine 4 are open uh, their theme is chaos and that closes on october the 30th um, winners will get a free pdf download and share of any royalties from the first month's sales 
there's also the um, Frontier Award, which is fifth, ends 5th of September and is based in the US. That's 15th of September. Yes, did I say that? What did I say? Because everything's on the 5th of September. Because everything's on the 5th of September, as discussed. Asia House Poetry Slam, Poems with Relevance to Asia and or the Diaspora, is judged by Teresa Lola and Imtis Darker, is 18 to 25-year-olds again, and closes on the 30th of September. Uh, and then we've got the two that we spoke about uh, on the show last time are still open, so that, that's the um, Ariamati Poetry Prize. It's looking for... Um, Poems on the theme of change and closes on October 3rd. Uh, and then the Dempsey and Windles National Poetry Competition is open uh, until the 15th of September. And the poems are on any theme and the best 20 will be published in an anthology. As ever, you can find out more about the events on our Facebook page. In a moment, we're going to have our live poem of the month to play us out. But before we do that, Laurie, is there anything you'd like to plug? Is there anything I'd like to plug? Um, what have I got? Um, I've got, we've already mentioned the Babetti Press Anthology launch. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be reading at that because I've got, a, I've got two poems in the anthology. Um, that's on the 5th of September. And that's on the 5th of September, like everything else. And that whole event is being BSL interpreted. Yes. Um, which I'm really excited about because the poem I'm doing is one sentence long and I'm really excited to see how the BSL interpreter deals with uh, that and quite how long it takes to interpret a one sentence poem. Um, so there's that. I've got a new video out uh, on <laughs> Muddy Feet Poetry and that's me, uh, really, at the moment. Hannah? So I am in an anthology. Uh, called Luminous Defiance, which is an excellent name. Um, and it is published by Listen Softly, edited by Claire Askew and Dominic Stevenson, and it's about poets and hard times. <laughs> poets and overcoming hard times. Um, and it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and yes, it is called Luminous Defiant. And apart from that, I am on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube... In my, my Instagram is just pictures of flowers I've seen, so don't don't bother following me on Instagram for poetry. <laughs> um, funny signs. Um, but yes, um, all the usual. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Rebecca K. Cooney um, and on Instagram uh, at any name but Becky. Um, and my website is www.rebeccakcooney.wordpress.com. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Dead Darlings Pod, um, Facebook if you search for Dead Darlings Podcast, and you can email us at deaddarlingspodcast at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and help us spread the word. Our poem of the month is uh, Too Pretty to Punch by Adalia Day, and it's taken from their Edinburgh show. Laurie went to see their Edinburgh show. I did, Why it was fantastic. Oh man. So I was talking to Adalia afterwards about it, and I was like, actually what really impressed me most about the show was the, the way that they mixed projections and music mm. and all sorts of, it's like a full on 360, like, it's, like, it's kind of like the, the Pink Floyd of poetry. It's like, <laughs> just, there's so much going on, you're just overwhelmed. And I, what I really wanted to choose was a piece that I realised only afterwards was, oh, there were no words in that piece. It was all mine <laughs> uh, with projections. And that, I thought that wouldn't work with podcasting. So uh, we've ended up with, uh, we've ended up with that really puts it down. So we've chosen uh, Two Pretty's Punch, which is the title poem of the show. Um, I believe Adalia is going to be doing some dates uh, touring it, continuing to tour it. Go and see it. It's an incredible show. Um, that is poignant and funny and clever and has music and everything and the best use of projections. It's wonderful. So that's why we chose it and we love it earlier.
Just a quick interruption from the future because while we were recording I forgot to add in uh, some details. Adalia asked us to let you know that pamphlets for Too Pretty to Punch and their previous show Super Hamlet 64 are available on their Etsy shop at www.etsy.com forward slash UK forward slash shop forward slash Eddie Dalia so E-D-D-Y-D-A-Y-L-I-A. We'll pop all of this in the show notes as well. Brilliant. Um, we're going to hand over to Adalia to play us out in a second, but before we do, I just wanted to say um, thank you to Adalia for letting us showcase their work. Uh, thank you to my co-hosts, Hannah and Laurie, and to Faye Roberts for joining us, and to Texas Radio for our theme music, and to you for listening. Respect From a subject of hate to someone they might date When their lips elevate to the moves of your hips, you're a hit. <laughs> She's a man, she's fit, I'd hit that. Can't you see? She's acceptable, I'm cis, and she's prettier than me. Go, girl, you've made it. You pass for one of us. I would definitely think twice before pushing you under a bus. Oh, kind, no, really. I'm tearful before I accept this award. I just want to say how honored I am to know that I'm adored enough to be human. But what if it's actually the opposite? And the more pretty I get, the more flack I receive when I'm just taken for an eccentric man. Is that inadvertent privilege shielding me? And with each dab of cream, each reflect in a mirror, each selfie, each worry about getting thinner, am I just running full circle back to that punch? Hey! Corner, 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 wall. I've got a girl card, bona fide. This expired in 1995. I've got 5,000 likes on Instagram. It's been 24 days since someone called me a man. <gasps> what do you mean you didn't know I was trans? <gasps> I passed enough to be killed anyway. No, wait, I've got to celebrate. Don't hit me, I pass. Don't punch me, I do, I'm not different. They said I could be human too if I worked at it. If I followed the rules. My friends said, my brother said, my sister said, my mother said, I pass. You don't. Your voice is too deep. I'm like Cher. You're not. No, I'm not. But please. I'm too cute to kill, too gorgeous to gut. I'm allergic to punches, they make me swell up. I don't want to become a statistic. I hate statistics. What are you running from? Sorry? What are you running from? Uh, well, there's this guy. Is there a guy? Statistically? Statistically? One in five, you're gonna get beaten up statistically. Statistically, statistically, statistically. I hate statistics. Every time you step out of the door, they'll whip a fist round your heart. Statistics. 40 to 20 to 1.5%, 5% to 30 to 40 to 60. Statistical elasticity added, subtracted. I shouldn't be here statistically. Statistically, you're already dead.
heart so pretty, so gorgeous. I would do you so hot, so pretty. You're acceptable to me. You're a slut, how you behave like a dog in heat is disgusting. That dress, so depraved. You're good enough to be a member of the fair sex cells, sex cells, sex cells. You hear it, sex cells, sex cells. Everywhere you look, the women have sex cells, sex cells, sex cells in our bodies. The way that people talk, you would think that being a hottie is in our genes. As if being a sexual vixen is fundamentally part of what woman means. Hey! Back off! I'm not afraid! Show yourself! I'm not too pretty to punch you. Too titillating to torture. Too tasty to trip, too womanly to whip. I'm not too much of a vixen to give kicks and too ravishing to rip your throat out. I'm not too thin to throttle, too saucy to strangle, too scintillating to strike, too girly to grab, too fashionable to fight. <laughs> His knife caressed her skin like a timid lover fumbling for a thousand kisses. Lips running red 